0: Welcome to the FCS Podcast on the Hero Sports Podcast Network.
1: Uh, Hello again and welcome back to the Hero Sports FCS Podcast. Uh, We are recording this Tuesday morning. It is bright and early. Brian is on his 15th cup of coffee already. We are ready to go. Uh, Joined as always by the aforementioned Brian McLaughlin. What's going on, Brian?
0: Uh, coffee's good, coffee, buddy. Coffee's, the coffee's
1: good. Is good. Uh, Sam Herder also here. Sam, you drinking any coffee?
2: I am not, but I think you might need another cup of coffee. Did you? Did you think it was Tuesday today?
0: <laughs> I, I think you said Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Might say be...
2: Tuesday. That
1: might be the Monday. Monday. Uh, I don't even know oh. what. Day it is. <laughs> to call a Monday. A Tuesday? It, it is Monday. Maybe yeah, Chase Monday, doesn't
0: correct. have Chase doesn't have Monday. That, That's what well. It is. Okay, what it is
1: is I <laughs> never drink coffee. And then I had my roommate make me some coffee this morning, and I'm, like, bouncing off the walls right now. Uh, I'm going to D.C. Later today, I might run to D.C. I might not even drive. (laughs) So we're excited. Uh, We're excited today on the Hero Sports FCS podcast because we are talking... uh, We're going to talk about a lot of things, but one of the things we wanted to get into early on, CAA Media Day, which I was at, we're also going to talk... Uh, Other Media Day reactions, Uh, we're going to revisit some of our preview series. We haven't done that in a while. Uh, We're going to talk a little Fortnite. That'll be later at the end. But for now, CAA Media Day. I was there in Baltimore. Brian and Sam, what do you guys want to know?
0: You know, the biggest thing I'm curious about, Chase, after two years of uh, dominance, you know, by James Madison, I'm curious what the tone is. It, you know, is it is it just all reverence? Is it all defer to JMU? Or do you sense that there's, you know, people are feeling a little confident about this year?
1: Um, I think a healthy mix of both. Uh, that seems like a cop-out answer. But everybody I talked to, I think, really appreciated how difficult it is for JMU to do what they've done the last two years. And I, I think... Coaches, generally speaking, come from a place where, you know, if if they were to accomplish something great like JMU has done the last couple of years, I think they want that respect so they're willing to give it to other people if they feel like they've really earned it. Uh, and and these, these last couple of years... I mean, JMU, I think, has earned it. Because coaches are always, like, deferential to other coaches. Nobody ever wants to give anybody locker room material. So, you know, you know the quotes that you always get. The, you know, that's a good football team over there. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're talking about an O and 12 team that hasn't won in 15 years. Like, that's, that's sort of what you get from a lot of coaches sometimes. Uh, but my sense was genuine awe and respect for uh, what they have done in Harrisonburg the last couple years. That being said, you know, coaches and players are always going to be confident in, you know, hey, we think we got a good team. We think we can we can go out and really give them a good shot. Uh, I, I got that a lot from the top half of the, the CAA teams. I didn't get to talk extensively with everybody. I did get to talk extensively with a few teams, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little later. But, yeah, I, I, think, a, I think the answer to your question is a good mix of both. Mm-hmm.
2: And do you, do you think there has been some ripple effects already from JMU's success? I mean, whenever you have a, you know, a national a national champion and then a national championship runner-up in your conference, that usually elevates the play of other teams. I know it's it's only been the third season under under Mike Houston, but we're already talking about the CEA possibly being the best conference in the FCS this year. So, so you do you see some ripple effects already from the Dukes' success? Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think it's it's always hard to tell, like where the whole iron sharpens iron thing starts and where other teams unique individual success begins uh that's a tough separation point but I think you're seeing you know like 10 to 15 years ago the CAA was the best conference in FCS football you know they, they have a bunch of different teams win the FCS title in a row and then North Dakota State sort of bursts onto the scene, they win all those titles, and you see the valley ascend into that top spot for a solid four or five years. And I think with what JMU is doing right now, you could be seeing sort of the same cycle happen all over again with the CAA in that there are uh there's more awareness of the potential of the CAA and recruits are, are are maybe going to other CAA schools and JMU's sort of leading that charge. Yeah, I, I think uh yes, I think the answer is
0: to your question. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> Chase, I'm curious about Elon's Kurt Signetti from your standpoint. And I know you had told us before the call that you didn't get a ton of one on one time with them, but you know, here's a guy. He co- you know he coached uh, Russell Wilson, Phillip Rivers at NC State as an assistant. He was at Alabama with Nick Saban, recruiting coordinator there, um, and he steps in his first year at Elon and does what he did last year. Um, do you get the sense that he is uh, a Saban disciple right off the bat? Is there any vibe like that that came out of the Elon camp? Basically,
1: the vibe I always get from from Saban is one of like. Sort of, there's a there's a lot of space between him and the media, right? You're sort of, you're you're, yeah. you're um, not like haughty, but you're guarded. Uh, and, and I maybe saw a little bit of that with him. Um, again, we didn't really talk that much. I did get to talk to him a little bit um, before uh, we really got into the media day stuff, and and I had never met him before, so I introduced myself, and I said, you know, like, hey, I work with Hero Sports, and, and I'm pretty sure I recognize your last name. His father coached at West Virginia. I grew up, you know, outside of Morgantown. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mentioned that, and he was, I said I lived in Cheat Lake, which is right outside of Morgantown, and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I uh I hung out with some people in Cheat Lake, so yeah, uh, that was uh, that was cool. That was sort of I got to see like an unguarded moment. And that was cool. I think we Sam and I talked about that a little bit a couple weeks ago. The the value of those unguarded moments is always really cool. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I I think I think there is um there's a uh, there's a guard up uh, with with the Elon. Folks, and, and I think that's to mm-hmm. their credit because a lot of these programs that are successful, I mean, like the savings of the world, uh, sort of have that guard in place for their own good. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't get authentic moments; um, they're there uh, if you want to work toward them. You, you sort of gotta you gotta earn those a lot of the time as a media member. But uh, yeah, I, I like what uh, I like what he's doing down there, and it was it was cool to talk to him. It was cool to meet him.
0: A lot of people back on that team, man. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that brings up the question, uh, you know, Sam's made the the bold statement that uh, the CAA is even better than the Valley this year. And I'm wondering, you know, to make that statement, which I don't think all of us completely disagree that that's possible. um, Look, somebody has to lose, you know, and we're talking about a conference we feel like is going to have a lot of parity, a lot of high-end parity, what teams in the CAA did you get the feeling are going to definitely be rebuilding this year? Well,
1: before I answer that, I want to say that I think the team that was picked last, I'm not—I'm totally not convinced um, that they're going to be last. That was Rhode is that? Island. So Rhode Island is, oh, is okay. routinely yeah. sort of like the seller of the CAA, and they're – you know, they they struggle a lot historically since I've watched the CA. You know, they, they finish last a lot. But there is some serious talent on this Rhode Island team. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs or anything. But, like, they've got some pieces. You know, Aaron Parker's good. Um, yeah. When they were picked 12th, I kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit. Like, really? Like, is, is that just like, oh, you know, I've written them in at 12th. A million times before, so they're twelve. I don't. I think they're a better team than William and Mary, like significantly. You know, I think wow. there's a there's a big gap between William and Mary and them. Um, so that that's sort of the first thing I would say, and the second thing I would say to that is is not only am, was am I impressed with Rhode Island, and I think that they were picked too low, um, but also I think William and Mary uh, is. They're going to be rebuilding, I think. Um, I, I, I. Mm-hmm. They have a great kid playing quarterback. He's going to be really good. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But yep. the pieces around him, I'm not really sold on much of that. So I think they could struggle this year. Um, the the rest of the bottom of the CAA. It's not that they're bad. It's that the 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 rest mm-hmm. of the conference is so good.
0: I feel like. Um. You know. Right. And that's like the Valley. Right. That's the valley it's it's right a lot there. like the Valley. Like, right. I
1: look at a team like Towson, and I'm like, man, they've got some really good pieces. I'm like, that that defense should yeah. be good. They usually have a pretty good run game. But, you know, look at their schedule. Where where are the wins going to come from? So, I, I, think, I think teams at the bottom, you know, I'll give, um, since we haven't given it out yet, I'll give the listeners the order uh, of predicted finish here from CAA Media Day. Number 1, James Madison with 21 of the 24 first place votes. Uh if you don't know, uh 12 teams in the CAA, their a coach gets a vote and a like the SID gets a vote. So there's two votes coming from each team. JMU gets 21 of the 24 first place votes. And you and you can't vote That for is my understanding. Team, yes. New Hampshire is second. They get two of the first-place votes, presumably from the JMU guys, uh, Mike Houston and Chris Brooks. Uh, Delaware, three. Stony Brook, four. Elon, fifth, with that final first-place vote, Uh, which is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Villanova, sixth. Richmond, seventh. Maine, eighth. Albany, ninth. Uh, Towson, tenth. William & Mary, eleven. Rhode Island at twelve. I think Albany. Uh, I think could really struggle this year. But, you know they've got some good skill guys, but I'm not sold on on their offensive and defensive lines. Uh, and I, I I think they could struggle in games because of that. Albany. I, I want to say got pretty much shut out on the uh, on the first team. I, I think uh, Donovan McDonald uh, got on like as a special teams guy, but other than that, I think that was their only selection for the first team. Mm. Uh, Albany, I think, could struggle. William and Mary, I think, can struggle. Um, Towson, Maine; I, th- those are tough teams in the bottom half of the CAA that like nobody's going to want to play. Richmond's sort of that swing team. You're trying to figure out if they're a part of the top seven or the bottom six. Um, yeah. <laughs> so th- that'll yeah. that'll be maybe in in terms of trying to figure out where they belong. That'll be the most interesting team to watch this year.
0: Yeah. Well, hey Sam, do uh, you, you uh, want to throw a couple questions out there on CAA?
2: Um, <clears throat> I think w- one team that I'm uh, really interested in is Delaware, uh, with um, obviously Danny Rocco. Last year, I had, had a great first year there. Um, so I'm just curious about, you know, what kind of the mindset is uh, when you got a chance to talk to, to Coach Rocco and kind of his thoughts heading into this season.
1: So, first of all, before I even talk about uh, Coach Rocco and talking to him, I, I I talked to him for a while. had a great conversation with him. Um, Shout out to the Richmond Times Dispatch reporter Wayne Epps here. Wayne and I uh, went to college together. We actually worked as sports editors together uh, at the JMU student newspaper. And now now I work for Hero and he works for the Richmond paper, which is the biggest paper in Virginia. Um, We sort of like converged on Coach Rocco at the same time and we looked at each other like, are we going to tag team this like the old days? And that's exactly what we did. (laughs) So... Tag team interview with Coach Rocco, me and Wayne. Uh, I asked him – I didn't ask him this first, but this is what I'm going to lead with. I asked him about North Dakota State in that game. And I thought he had a really interesting answer, which was, uh, you know, for those that don't know, Delaware is going to play in North Dakota State. We talked about it before, uh, toward the end of September. Really? And the way – you know, I said, what, what's it kind of like playing that game? And, you know, you've got a huge matchup where you can showcase the team and how far they've come – uh, and, and maybe what, you know, how high of goals you could have for that team. And he said basically, well, you know, you look at our schedule, we sort of play this segmented non-conference schedule in September, and then we have a bye week, and then we get into CAA play. So it's 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 almost like an exhibition season for them, you know, and, and North Dakota State is part of that, uh, you know, you're going to go out there and you're going to give it your best shot. And yeah, we could make a splash and, and we could make a name for ourselves. And we, we could, you know, that could be a big coming out party for Delaware football, sort of reclaiming the uh, the historical greatness that that program has. But at the end of the day, the goal is to go out, and win a CAA championship, and those games, North Dakota State included, aren't really a part of that. So you play those games. You turn the page. You have a bye week. You know. You, you know, hopefully everybody's healthy, but if not, you know, you have a week to, to heal up, and then you get into CAA stuff. So that I thought that was a really interesting way to look at that. Um, uh, really fair. I thought uh, we talked a lot about just Delaware the program. You know, not not even you know players, not individuals, nothing like that. Just you know, he's at Delaware now, and what's that like? And he was really complimentary of. the the Delaware program and the administration and they're clearly uh, invested in in putting money and resources and finances into the program, into the stadium, you know, into the experience of being a football fan. He could not talk enough and say enough nice things about how much support he has in this new administration at Delaware, uh, this this being his second year, Uh, so... I you know that was my overwhelming takeaway from talking with him is that how pleased he was with what's going on at Delaware behind him, uh, which it was interesting.
2: Yeah. I I'd, I'd like that answer about the NDSU game because you don't want to you know hype your players up so much or get them so you know amped up for this one non-conference game, um, and then whatever happens happens. But then you know the next game you have to reach that reach that energy level to come CAA, and it's it's interesting that um, you know. What Rocco was able to accomplish at Richmond, um, what what you what you think you could do um, at at Delaware, where where there is a lot more, you know, maybe some 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 uh, some some uh, support around the program, and, and you know, in in 2015, I believe it, he he was in that at the far Dome, um, in, in the semifinals, um, and I remember after the game he said. Um, you know that was probably the best team I've seen in quite some time, and that was when Easton Stick was a redshirt freshman, so the offense was was very vanilla um, at that point. And I think this year's team is going to be much better than than the 2015 team. Um, but I also think this Delaware team is going to be able to compete um, a little better than that one Richmond team, just with the defense they have. I, th- I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be kind of a kind of kind of like a little JMU game where it's where it's a dogfight and the points are hard sure. to come by.
0: They just have. If Delaware just has a, an above-average offense to go with what they look like on defense, oh my right. goodness gracious! You know, I mean, it's just, that's really it. Yeah, that's all they need is above-average. And and they they got some of those components, you know, through transfers, and and they're only going to be better than. It's just kind of a matter, I think, of how much better, you know. Uh, but that's yeah, that that's going to be. Uh, we're going to be talking to Rocco a bunch, huh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, good stuff, man. Um, it is the, what is it, tis the season of media days. I right. guess you could put it that way. And, uh, you know, every every league does it a little differently. You know, um, we have 13 conferences. Some conferences choose not to do one um, at all. Uh, some do conference calls because of travel, uh, you know, situations. That's one thing we'll see in the Missouri Valley this week. You know, they do they do a phone call, hey, Youngstown, Ohio is a long way from, you know, North Dakota, so it's not the easiest thing in the world to get together for a couple days, you know, for a team getting ready for the season. So, um, it's kind of cool when a league like the CAA will actually take the effort, uh, make the effort to get together in uh, one spot for those of us in the media, so, um but uh, not everybody does yeah, that. So. I, I yeah, I felt bad yeah. for
1: uh, talking about the distance, you know, it is from Youngstown to, like, maybe the rest of the valley. I always feel bad for Maine, because, like, first mm-hmm. of all, I, I don't have to tell you guys geographically, Maine, f- pretty far away from, from a lot of, like, sort of the, the breadbasket of the state. Way the bleep yeah, up there. It's up there, right? <laughs> yeah. I know New Hampshire's yeah, nearby. You know, 10 years ago, UMass yeah. was around, but, like, a lot of the c a is is down in the sort of this mid atlantic region c a immediate days in Baltimore you know, so you finally get down to yeah. Baltimore from maine you know what what's the first thing you do when you get to Baltimore you go get some crab cakes well like oh yeah, they have crab in maine they're they, I know that's Baltimore's thing, but like maine's <laughs> got some pretty good crab too so that's, yeah, yeah yeah I, I always feel yeah. bad
0: for those guys. Yeah, yeah, that was that and that's kind of one of the things that's a little different. Like the Ohio Valley Conference does do a media day, they do it in Nashville. Most of those programs are really close to Nashville. They they drive in and drive home. Uh, they don't even take a flight, you know. So the yeah, the ge, ge, the geographical right. challenges are there. So uh anyways. Yeah, uh
1: if I could add one more th- sort of last uh note that I think I'd go out on um I, I, I really enjoyed uh, CA Commissioner Joe D'Antonio's comments. I got to talk to him for a little bit. I listened carefully to his opening remarks. Uh, he's and I'm reading out of my notebook here. He said, uh, we're kind of that last level of purity. Uh, he was talking about the balance of success on the field and then like achievement off of the field. He said, the reality of what many of our football student athletes are dealing with is as much as I'm sure all of them would like to play at the next level, that's not reality. So this is probably for most of them going to be their last stop from a football standpoint. You need to make sure that when football ends, there's something at the end of the road. I thought that was really honest, but also really accurate. Um, and, and i i thought he it, just it hit is, the nail it. on the head and, and when you add in how how good of a product i think the CA puts together i i th- i thought his comments were just so spot on
0: yeah that's it's funny and and maybe that's a perfect segue i think into the uh, our next topic which is the the Patriot yeah. League uh call that i was on um look you know i mean all three of us we we love this level we love the kids we get to talk to um you talk about some sharp young men. I mean, the, the the format for the Patriot League was the head coach and one or two student athletes. And dude, we we're talking about some incredibly well versed, obviously very intelligent. Um, and and nobody going into the Patriot League is dream. I mean, everybody dreams of the NFL, but that's. If they made the choice of picking Colgate or Fordham or Lehigh over, um, you know, maybe a Mac school like Kent State or something, uh, you know where their mind is, you know, you know what they're doing. We see it all the time with the Ivy League, with recruiting and stuff, and that was the first thing that jumped off the page to me about the Patriot League call was just, there were no run-of-the-mill quotes to it, um... They they weren't there wasn't a lot of coach speak the coaches are very sincere and put some thought into their answers and they're not guarded and um, you can tell that those coaches really are teachers you know they're, they and and I know Sam you have probably sensed some of that in the Pioneer League which is non scholarship when you talk to you know Dayton's coach or, or or Drake's coach you can tell it's a different thing going on even though it's Division one football and. Um, that was one of the first things that jumped off the page to me about the, being on the Patriot League call uh, last week. So, was, was
1: there any sense of, like, I don't know, I, I guess uh, – because I wasn't on the call, I wanted to be, but I, I had just gotten back from media day, and it was like, I think I need to <laughs> sleep. <laughs> no, I've uh, been there. Was, yep. was there any sense of um, – you know, you, you, you mentioned – you know you don't necessarily go to the Patriot League to get to the n f l, but I think mm-hmm. there are a couple guys in the Patriot League this year that are absolutely going to the n f l Did that permeate the discussion at all
0: not not at all, not at all and and you know, and here we have Chase Edmonds going in the fourth round this year out of Fordham um, and we know Chase well, Julian Davenport the year before coming out of Bucknell. And was starting in the NFL by the end of last year on the offensive line. Um, it's obvious that, that that it is it's possible to go to the NFL. I think the guy that we probably would talk about first would be like Dom Bragalone at 100%, at Lee, yeah. Who's been? I mean, he he is on the radar, and uh, and this year might be really interesting. You know, talking team by team because. Uh, Brad May's quarterback, who might be another guy that might be interesting to look at in the spring. Um, he lost his top two targets, one to graduation, you know, one to transfer. So, Dom may be a guy that you know he led the nation in the FCS in rushing last year at about fourteen hundred yards, if I remember correctly. He's been a thousand yard back all three seasons, and could this be eighteen hundred to two thousand? Maybe if somehow Lehigh pulls off uh, the conference title again. Who knows? Maybe. I think it's going to be tough for them to win it because of Colgate, but um I think Dom is your is your guy to be looking at uh this year in the Patriot League who he'll be in a camp this time next year. That's I don't I don't doubt that. It's just kind of a matter of you know, where he fits in does he go to the right place, but <clears throat> you know, that is it is interesting with the Patriot League and the CAA and all these conferences we cover um every kid has a dream of playing in the nfl but they are real these kids are realistic enough to know um you might not want to put all your eggs in one basket on that because uh it it most likely is not going to happen and so you might as well pick for academics and again when you talk to kids from the patriot from the caa around the country uh they uh they that's realistic with them i mean uh, and I, I always like to throw the the story about Kyle Slooter at Northern Colorado we've talked about this before you know Kyle um had this up and down tumultuous career it started in an fbs uh level i think he was at uab or tulane or something transfers down to northern colorado isn't playing there he's going into his senior year i mean he's a physical specimen at like 6'5 230 and he can fly But he's just not getting on the field. So he's going into his senior year, and he's doubling up to go ahead and graduate. And he has lined up a job in the financial sector in Atlanta, Georgia. And he is scheduled to start that job in January, just like a lot of guys would start the NFL in the spring. And then an injury happens week one. Boom, he starts the season. He tears it up in the big sky. He's got one season of tape, and it's just enough to get him a couple extra looks. In the spring, not at the combine, but at pro day, and then they ask him to come to Colorado's pro day. He tears it up, and he's on the Minnesota Vikings roster last year. Sometimes he was active. You know, um, that's the kind of thing that can happen at FCS level. It's just something you don't want to put. You don't want to put all your faith into happening. But here's Kyle Slaughter, and he had a job. He was he'd already bought a suit. He told me uh, to to. Go take this awesome job, which he had worked for, worked very hard for, and uh, with a finance degree, you know. So, uh, anyways, that's a story we've seen repeated, uh, you know, a million times at this level. So, well, I could I can go on about the Patriot League, though. Uh, you know, um,
1: no, I mean you mentioned Dom, and, and since you brought yeah. it up, uh, I was going to save this for later, but. You know, Dom. I didn't realize when I was writing his the Lehigh preview, like Dom ran for like four, like forty five hundred yards in a single
0: yep. season in high school football. Like, what <laughs> <Yep>. is
1: that? <laughs> like that...
0: Well, I, hey, I got man, I got you a story on that because so I, I used to do the Parade All American teams, which uh, you young guys probably don't th- know much about, but. Uh, when I was sitting down eating my Cheerios and, and reading the sports section as a kid, that was the high school prep right. team. I mean, that's the one Emmett Smith made. That's the one Joe Montana made. That's the one that Emmitt, or uh, like Tim Tebow made and uh and I took that over in 2010 and I did it for about 6 years and the whole newspaper industry's gone to hell as you guys know. Very aware. But um <laughs> very aware. Well, Dom, okay, so I'm looking at stuff and and I had a lot of pressure on on my back to pick Alabama kids. Um in fact, I had my last choice overruled and I'm not afraid to say it now on a live podcast. I had a kid picked in Arizona who had about 6,000 yards, a quarterback who was going to Oregon, and I got overruled. They wanted Dylan Moses, who I knew Dylan from recruiting. Um, and I loved Dylan, but he played nine games that had 100 tackles. So there, there was always that pressure, just go with the Bama kids. Go with the five-star kids. Make it an all-recruiting team because we're trying to sell this issue. Well, Dom's senior year, I'm looking at these numbers, and he's getting heavy interest from schools, and it's it's D1. Um, but by the time we were going to print, he still didn't have a school, and he didn't have an offer from like a big time school where we knew, okay, on signing day he's gonna right. pick North Carolina. Well, he he had some interest from Navy, and and you're right, Chase. He had 4,500 yards rushing it, in Pennsylvania, for, which in is not not for people just to <laughs> clarify. Not like
1: in his career, in one yeah, his senior year. year. He had forty yeah. five hundred rushing yards.
0: Yeah, and that's that. So I just I I said you know I don't care where the hell this kid goes. And this is before I covered the FCS. Uh, now by the time we were we had we we pr- we had to print that thing like uh, and shoot it and the whole bit. You know how a newspaper world is, especially with a magazine you got a deadline. Like, and you're done. You don't just do it. You don't do it on Saturday night when right. it comes out Sunday. So. That decision was made. I think we put him in there as undeclared. And by the time it came out Super Bowl Sunday weekend, Dom was in there, and he had picked High by then. And then the next year, 2015, is the first year I did uh, FCS. And I I hit him back up because I always contacted the kids on Twitter and let them know they were going to make it. And and I said, wow, man, so a 1,000 yards of your, your true freshman year, which in the Patriot, they don't even do red-shirting for the most part. Um, I'm like, well, you you lived up to the hype, and he, you know, he he's always been real humble about it. But the truth is, he was overlooked at the high school level, and you could argue, even with leading the nation in rushing in the FCS, he's been overlooked at this level. But I can tell you something: he is not going to be overlooked next I, so I mean, uh, he's already on the already on that radar. So uh, he's a good story. No 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 sure. question about that. Well, uh, since, since I brought it up, I think this is a
1: perfect segue. You know, I mentioned at the beginning, we wanted to take a, a couple of minutes here and uh, revisit our preview series uh, that we've been doing. You know, mm-hmm. we've been we've been pumping them every day. You guys have been eating them up. Uh, we publish two FCS previews a day starting in mid-June and going through mid-August. And we haven't mm-hmm. really sat here and re- reflected on what we've done probably since we were on, like, Letter D, I want to say like we were in like the CDE category. Well, uh we're mm-hmm. in uh the Ps right now. Uh yesterday I published PIN, so alphabetically that's where we're at. Uh I want to toss it up I'll, I'll, and I'll toss it up to you first Sam. Uh what um you know what in the last half of the alphabet since we last talked about this? What sort of facts or teams have stood out to you is, is maybe something you weren't aware of Going in that you learned And that now it's on your radar And it should be on our listeners' radar too
2: yeah, I think you know as far as the valley, <clears throat> as far as the valley goes, you know I've, I've only done about half half of the valley um, so far. But I, I already feel you know before I started this, I kind of had a, I thought I had a decent feel as to what my you know preseason poll um, would be if I were to vote on it. And I think already it's getting kind of shaken up um, a little <laughs> bit. I think Northern Iowa is going to be better than maybe some people are giving them credit for. Um, mm-hmm. That offense, I think you know has a chance to be uh, very good uh for some reason some people like to think that eli dunn didn't have necessarily a great year but i mean he threw for 2700 yards 26 touchdowns only i think 10 or 11 interceptions so a pretty solid year um he's back as a senior i think he's you know has shows good good leadership skills and he also has you know marcus weimiller at running back which which always helps um and obviously you know defensively northern iowa um always always plays tough so i think they were kind of rising as far as my opinion um in illinois state i don't not sure if I'm as high on them um, as I once was, you know, I think a couple months ago someone asked me, you know, who do you think that number two team in the, in the Valley is going to be? And I said, I think it's either going to be Illinois State or Youngstown State. You know, I don't, I don't think Illinois State would be my answer anymore. I know I do think they're still going to be good. They're still going to be a playoff caliber team. I'm just not sure if they have, you know, just with their number of question marks, I think quarterback is still kind of a question mark right now. Who's going to be their guy defensively. They lose a ton of talents. Um a couple guys have gotten opportunities in the NFL. Um their leading tackler last year, linebacker, um Tyree Horton, um I believe his name is, he got kicked off the team um just with a number of um, you know, team misconducts kind of thing. So that's you know, the Valley um still about have about five teams to go um in that conference. But I think already I'm learning, you know, a lot about these teams and you know maybe some teams have been overhyped and some teams have been underhyped. Um and as far as the big sky, I, that's just <laughs> The, every single preview I do on the Big Sky it just makes me know that this conference is getting is getting tougher and tougher. If every team I, I know about, you know, every team uh, so far that I've done a preview on seems to be that they're going to be they're going to be a better team than they were last year. Um, I mean, even team like like uh, Northern Colorado. Um that maybe is not on a lot of people's radars. If they stay healthy, you know, at certain positions, especially the quarterback position, I think they can compete. A team like Idaho State has has a chance to have one of the better offenses um in the big sky. Um, you know, Northern Arizona we know all about their offense with, you know, Case Cookus, Emmanuel Butler, the one-two punch they're at, quarterback and wide receiver. Um, and, you know, their defense was not, you know, not that great last year, but they have nine returning starters on defense. So I think that's another team that has get, that's going to be even better um, coming off a of playoff year. So I think with the Big Sky, every team I've previewed so far, which I think is around seven to eight, I can say right now, all those teams are going to be better than what they were last year. So I think that's the, the big sky is going to be. I get more and more excited about the big sky with each team preview I do because it's going to be such a <laughs> it's going to be such a competitive
0: and fun league. Hey, Sam, I got a I got a little breaking news for you guys. North Dakota State has gone ahead of Grambling for number one in fan interactions with our previews. Are you shocked, guys? Are you shocked that North Dakota State is number one when it comes to fan interaction? You know, honestly, you you,
2: you were more confident in me that they would, you know, (laughs) extend to the top five spots, because, I don't know, usually with NDSU fans, maybe they see, like, a team preview, and they don't really, you know, click on it, just because they already know, you know, what's what's, going to be going on (laughs) um, with this team. Uh, They're more likely to click on, you know, why Easton Stick is going to be drafted, or, you know, the... Top five running backs in any history. They're more, more more likely to click on that, but I don't know. They saw you know a team preview and wanted to know a little bit more what we had to think about them. So I mean, yeah, Bison fans usually always are always pretty active on social media. So uh,
0: I thought it was kind of interesting because North Dakota State just and and uh, you know I'll shut up here in a second, especially with the lawnmowers uh, leave, coming into my yard here. Sorry about that, guys. But uh, Grambling is a very proud fan base, and when they saw that we were. We were just kind of bouncing the fans off of each other as far as okay, who's got the best fans when it comes to uh, you know reading the preseason preview? Grambling took it to heart and they've been retweeting our our preview a bunch uh, from the school. James Madison did it, but right now it's North Dakota State, Grambling, James Madison, Florida A and M, whose own head coach has been retweeting uh, our story to his fan base, saying "Let's go, let's prove her back." <laughs> and then number five is Kennesaw. So it's been really interesting to see, like, which fan bases uh, are tuning in the most. Um, and uh, I've been surprised by the Patriot League. The bunch of their schools are top 10, top 15. So, uh, anyways, I thought I'd break that news. North Dakota State finally passed grambling. So, uh, sorry, Sam. Yeah, no. Well,
2: <laughs> well I got some uh, breaking news as well uh, right here. Um, in this instant, it won't be breaking news for our readers because I'm sure they've already seen it on, on social media. Um, But I I was talking earlier about the Valley preseason poll, and that officially just came out um, right now. So I'll just run through that, you know, real quick. Uh, NDSU, number one, uh, got all 39 first place votes. Wait, what? Yeah, that's that's (laughs) not the breaking news. That's not the breaking news. (laughs) Um, But then they have South Dakota State um, at number two. Um, which, you know, I guess, I guess it's well-deserved them making the, the semifinals last year. Um, but, you know, just listening to other people's podcasts or radio segments, a lot of people didn't have South Dakota State as their number two team. A lot of teams had, you know, either a Youngstown State or, team like, or teams like that. So that might be a little surprising. Uh, but number three is Northern Iowa. Number four, Youngstown State. Five is Illinois State. Six, South Dakota. Seven, Western Illinois. Eight is Southern Illinois. Nine, Missouri State. And ten
1: is Indiana State. So yeah. there's the uh, Valley preseason poll. Yeah. That sounds, cool. I mean, there's just nothing really there to, like, you know, raise your eyebrows at or anything. Um, no, not really. No. I mean, I do think South Dakota is still going
2: to be a very good team. Um, So having them at six might be a little surprising. But then again, you can look at it and say, okay, but who are they going to, you know, move right. ahead of? Uh, because that, right. that, top, right. that top six, even Western Illinois you know at number seven you know they've always been a traditionally strong program these last couple of years uh so yeah it's one through seven yeah. i think is, is that's a be poll better.
1: that is very tied to the order
0: of finish last year yeah, yeah right yeah. that's yeah. what coaches do and because it's, it's safe oh, that's what it's very does. safe it is right it's respect is what it is and that that's the way right. coaches operate and, and and or even sometimes the media but i don't i don't always agree with doing it that way i think the way we did it was good mm-hmm. but whatever so, um, well, I, you know, as far as surprises, I'll throw a couple out there and then chase, I want to hear yours, you know, uh, what, what, uh, surprises is you've been working on these, um, you know, what happens when you're doing these previews, um, look, we're pretty well versed on this stuff. We pay attention to it all year, but when you really dig into a team, um, there might be a little something you didn't quite notice, you know, we're covering 125 teams, So, you know, there might be a team there that it didn't hit you upside the head with an iron skillet that, my goodness, they've got 18 starters back, and they, you know, they had a top 25 defense last year. Whoa, you know, maybe we need to give them a little more respect. I'm going to give you two teams. One that we did talk about in June when we debated uh, the top 25, and we ended up, I think, giving them some love in our poll, and one that we did not. Um, Nichols is way better than even we were discussing in June. Um, I do think that they're going to make some serious noise this year. And I think it may start as early as going to Kansas and knocking them off, which I don't think anybody is going to go crazy if that happens as bad as Kansas is. But Nichols going to a P5 and winning is is going to be a headline, I think, in week one. And then they follow it up with a, a trip to Tulane. Which is another team I think Nichols can take out. So how big a deal would it be, guys, if Nichols starts two and zero against FBS teams, and then in week four I want to say they play Sam Houston. I mean we're gonna we're gonna know the Southland champ by August October first. It's it's gonna be that game. I mean that's just the way the Southland looks. The thing is though it's not a foregone conclusion. For once uh, For the first time in like three years Of who's probably going to win that Although Central Arkansas kind of messed that up last year uh, But in the preseason We were all saying Sam Houston Two years ago we were all saying Sam Houston um, I think that Nichols-Sam Houston game Is going to be really good And I want to say it's week four In September So that's one The other one we didn't talk that much about And it again this, this goes into that parody And the SoCon thing um, You know Mercer is probably about as good as anybody in the SOCON. Really? Um, they have a – yes. Yeah, that's – that really knocked me upside the head. I've always kind of had them on the radar. You know, they went 5-6 and six last year, 6-5 and five the year before. They played out Auburn and Alabama last year. You know, the only team outside the SEC that did that. Um, you know, you take those two games away and you put a couple cream puffs on there, you know – this might have been a seven and four team, and, and a, they had uh, some interesting wins. They also had some interesting losses. So, but most of that team's back. Kalen Ry- Riley's back at quarterback. Um, they they really are a very balanced team, both on offense and really offense versus defense. Very very balanced team. They might be a kind of team that has like a top thirty offense, but not a top twenty, and a top thirty defense, but not a top twenty. Kind of one of those type of really balanced teams. So you know, don't be surprised by those two being teams that we talk about on the podcast a lot this fall. All right. Chase, what about Um you? All right, so I get um
1: I, I, I love the team the conferences that I get to cover. I have the CAA, the Ivy League, the Patriot League, and the NAC. So it's a really it's a really varied mm-hmm. bunch. Um and I've got mm-hmm. I've got a couple here of not of just interesting sort of notes. Um, I think I would start with uh, wow. Where was I going to start? <laughs> Dartmouth. Dartmouth. Uh, Dart Dartmouth is an interesting team. Um, Dartmouth and Penn both. So one of which was like right after the last time we did this, and the other of which I did yesterday. Uh, both of them sort of. I we we've been given Yale a bit a bit of love on here, and rightfully so. We haven't mm-hmm. done that that preview yet, but you know everybody kind of agrees Yale probably the team to beat in the Ivy League Penn right which uh, finished six and four last year they were fourth in the Ivy League they get Yale at home this year they have a really like favorable schedule don't sleep on Penn as a team not to win the Ivy League necessarily but to like make the Ivy League interesting um which mm-hmm. you know is, is arguably a more interesting storyline than just like oh they might win it. Uh they they, they might right. be like the agent of chaos. Uh sort of sort of thing.
0: Knock somebody uh, out. In yep. the Patriot
1: yep. League, you've got Lehigh and Lafayette, like t- one of the greatest rivalries in college football. Uh each of them mm-hmm. has what the other one needs. Right, like Lehigh has this incredible offense with Brad Mays and Don Bragalone. defensively, maybe some work to do there and, and I think when you dig into to some of the coach quotes uh from from that coaching staff they they think they'll be better this year they you know they they've worked on like a lot of fundamentals in the off season and just better tackling and that sort of thing uh but still, defensively, maybe they have a ways to go. Lafayette, pretty decent defense one of the worst offenses in in FCS football last year. I think they they ranked like next to last in uh points per game. Mm-hmm. So I I just thought that was an interesting dynamic that like these like bitter long-time rivals like have complementary pieces to each other. I thought that was sort of cool. Uh New Hampshire man, I I know we always talk about how good New Hampshire's offense is and, and rightfully so. Uh but two things you, I sort of saw uh, digging into their digging into their team for their preview, which was published a week ago today. Uh, number one, their defense brings a lot of guys back and was maybe a little underrated last year. Like they won some games with defense uh, that that we don't really remember. Uh, but number two, the offense maybe wasn't as good as we remember. I mean, historically, that offense is very good, but mm-hmm. their offensive line gives up a lot of sacks. I I, mm-hmm. I mean, they're last by a mile in in, uh, in sacks given up for 2017 in the CAA. So I think mm-hmm. uh, I think that's sort of like the hole you got to look for with New Hampshire this year. It's not even how the defense plays. It's you know how good are they in pass pro? Because even when you account for the fact that New Hampshire takes more pass attempts than most other teams, like they're still giving up a lot of sacks. And uh the last one I have uh sort of off the beaten path here uh Holy Cross bringing in Bob Chesney uh who's like a a local like northeastern kind of guy like he, he was a high school football coach and I think like Massachusetts you know very very he's regionally known but on the national scale like not really all that known uh by the by the right. rank and file fan anyway I mean, when he got hired by Holy Cross all kinds of people came out were talking him up like uh I was trying to remember. I think somebody from Notre Dame, maybe. Uh, like one of the assistant coaches from Notre Dame. or um, yeah, I don't know. There, there were a lot of people that came out and were like, Bob Chesney, great hire. Holy Cross is going to kill it in a couple years. Uh, Holy Cross is not going right. to kill it this year. The, that is a rebuild in the truest sense of the word. And they they are going to struggle maybe to win two games this year. But I think looking down the road... Like maybe 2020, mm-hmm. 2021, like Bob Chesney might have something at Holy Cross, and, and that'll be a fun thing to watch long term get built up. Uh, those were a couple of things I uh, I noticed
0: going through these. And, and Chase, they're already doing that. Um, yeah, the they got some great recruits. Uh, you know, yeah. you don't, they've gotten they've gotten a bunch of three stars. Which I tell you, you know, I always say it that a three star recruit coming to FCS is a five star right. in the FCS level. They they're beating out um not P fives but FPS teams for recruits right now. And uh Holy Cross just landed a quarterback down here in Tampa named Chris Butosh, um, from Carolwood Day, which is yeah. a really good uh he's a great recruit. So Holy Cross is doing something, but I gotta agree with you after being on that Patriot League call. Uh it, you know, I without Peter Polhts uh, Puhl-Holtz, uh the quarterback who's not in the NFL camp, um, it might not be this year, but it's gonna be it will be down the line. That's the feeling I got too. Awesome. Well, uh,
1: any any last words, guys, on previews? Uh, Brian, um, I think you might uh, yeah, have something here.
0: Yeah, it, it was... <laughs> this happens sometimes. Uh, I've been handling the HBCU previews because um, we don't have everything settled with our writer there just yet, and I was uh, writing up the Prairie View A&M preview. Which is In and, the last um, couple of days, the quor- we should mention, yeah. Yes, yeah. it was this weekend, and it's gonna pu- it's we're gonna publish that uh, here today. Um, their quarterback Nico Hollins, you know, was a freshman. I dealt with him in recruiting a little bit. Um, he was a two star guy out of Texas, and he had a great year last year in just six games. He threw for eighteen hundred yards and twenty one touchdowns. So I'm sitting here thinking, man, you know, this kid's an incumbent. And of course, you know, we we all check uh, the preseason rosters to make sure these kids are back. Um, because it's not unprecedented that underclassmen don't come back for various reasons. Some of them good, some of them bad, some of them transfer, whatever. So I hit up Nico, and uh, he's on the roster, and he's on their prospectus from from Swack Media days. So I hit up Nico because I knew him, uh, you know, through recruiting, and uh, I just said, "Hey, things looking pretty good." And he he goes, "Yeah, long time no talking." I said, Yeah, So you looking forward to getting going? He goes, "Oh, uh, I'm not at Prairie View anymore." And I'm like, whoa, whoa, You're it's like they're bragging on you in the prospectus that printed 10 days ago. What happened? He goes, oh, yeah, it's all happened in the last week. And he didn't really want to get into the reason. But I, I if I were to uh, guess, I would say that uh, the new coaching set, you know, Willie Simmons went to FAMU from Prairie View. Willie had won games at Prairie View for three years. And if, if you're an old guy like me in your 40s, you remember when, Prairie View went, like, eight seasons without a win back in the 90s. I mean, that was just, like, the worst program. Well, not under Willie, they weren't. <laughs> they were winning seven. Um, they were in the mix and the swack, whatever. And it just looked like Nico was going to be a part of carrying that on with the new staff. Um, you know, the, the Prairie View hired uh, Grambling's uh, coordinator. So it uh, looked all great. But I guess uh, the new coaching staff came in and kind of threw the quarterback battle wide open and didn't say that Nico was definitely going to be the, the starter. And I'm guessing that that has everything to do with it. The problem is and I, I don't know if Nico's going to listen to this or not. I mean, he doesn't really have a solution and it's late uh, late July. And, you know, camps are opening up. Some of the teams are already practicing. And he wants to go Juco and then transfer with two years left to uh, Division 1 again. Well, he's got the talent. I just, I, I don't know, man. I, I hope it goes well for him. Um, but if you don't have a home, like he, he very nearly was going to head to independence, which of course is being, uh, highlighted with the Netflix series, uh, last chance you right now. Um, he knows them, but he, that didn't end up happening. So right now he wants to hook up with the, with the junior college in Texas. Um, but I can tell you, man, um, uh, you, you don't just walk onto a college team and in two weeks, get the job and get a bunch of film and transfer to yeah. a D one school, and that's I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but um, uh, I guess weirder things have happened. But that was that was big news this week. Yeah,
1: and, and you know we, it feels like we encounter a lot of stuff like that. Not not necessarily that specific situation, but just going through these previews and and talking to kids, you know, in in, in mm-hmm. their DMs on Twitter or what you know, texting back and forth or whatever.
0: Yeah, we find out some interesting stuff so <laughs> how about uh, hey guys i gotta ask if you, you had an instance and i'm guessing the answer is yes where a guy has just decided he's ready to start his career yeah. yeah outside of football i mean i've had a bunch of instances it's not bad good he's still probably helping out the program but the guy's just ready to start his his career and it doesn't have anything to do with football have you guys had a bunch of that or yeah a little, i think or? the most uh the most recent uh, i don't have it in front
1: of me but not not in the previews but on our uh on our Countdown series where you know twenty six days till FCS kickoff today. Uh, you know we're getting yeah we're getting close guys, uh, but the, uh, that series somebody here in the twenties it might have even been today uh, we were gonna feature a player from Kennesaw State and I yeah yeah uh, Taylor yeah, thank you that, yep, I was just right Taylor Hankel I was just thinking you. that as well yeah he was a yeah. defensive and actor, we we he had works. it uh, in our in our yeah. spreadsheet on uh, on Google Docs and we were ready to fire it up and then Sam uh messages me on Slack it goes, Hey, Taylor's not at Kennesaw anymore. He's like he's just ready to yeah. start making money and, and That's
0: know. that's a great example. Because Taylor isn't just a run of the mill player. He we were looking at him for right. the all American team because he was he was uh he was first team all conference last year in the Big South. Um but yeah, I mean there's a great example, you know, of a guy that just look, I'm not gonna be a draft pick and I'm graduated. Uh, and and the, that's the mentality of a lot of these guys. So
2: Yeah, I noticed that with with Kennesaw State because I think it was a, a week after the national championship game. Um, for the second year in a row, I did, you know, 10 way too early favorites to win next year's FCS title. Um, and I, when yeah. I was doing, I think I had Kennesaw number three because, I mean, their defense had maybe eight or nine starters returning. And then a couple couple months later, I did another kind of, uh, I think it was a confidence rankings uh, for each team that made the the quarterfinals or, or something like that. Um, and I went back to double-check on those numbers. And, um, you know, Kennesaw only had maybe five returning starters. And I know Hinkle was one of those guys that left the program. I think they might have had a couple players that were dismissed um, from the program. So that's one thing. I mean, I know Kennesaw State's not in my um, you know my, my conference Area, but I've noticed that as well with with some um, with some roster turnover uh, there, and I think that's that's hit us all too with, with these previews. Looking at, we know a couple names, then uh, also we don't see them on the roster um, anymore. So it's it's always kind of interesting going through the roster, looking at the looking at the leaderboards from the stat sheet and seeing you know okay this junior led this team um, in tackles, and then you look. Um, on the on the 2018 roster, and he's no longer there. So you Google his name, and there has been some transfers, some dismissals, um, and then Brian, like you mentioned, just some guys, you know, foregoing their senior year because they got you know a good
1: job in the ready workplace. to treat in the uh, the cleats nope. for a cubicle. Nope. Yeah, in some cases.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not stage. not yep. for
1: uh, not for me, but you know, for some people, that cubicle is a powerful thing. Mm. <sighs> uh, I think uh, I think that'll that'll put a nice bow probably on our uh, preview uh wistful uh wistful look back at our previews here. We do have one more topic we want to get into here. Uh and that is, you know, we want to do some lighter stuff, maybe some some off topic stuff here at the end sometimes. Uh so with that in mind, I you know, I was talking with uh Rashad Robinson and Trey Sharp at CA Media Day, and you know, I was just Good guys. I was just thinking of uh You know, what can I what can I ask that maybe is a little non traditional? So I asked the guys Who at JMU talks the most trash while playing Fortnite? And unsurprisingly the answer was Jimmy Moreland. But (laughs) that led me down sort of a path of thinking Brian, you've got a couple of young kids. Like what do you know about Fortnite?
0: Uh, it's a British term that means every two weeks,
1: <laughs> right? So we're gonna do our best here. I think, Sam, do you play Fortnite? I do not. I'm not. I'm not, uh, I'm not
2: much of a gamer. I'm more of a Netflix, Hulu.
1: All right, I'm, I'm gonna do my best to explain Fortnite to old man Brian here. Uh, <laughs> it is. Basically, and you jump in whenever you have questions or think something sounds stupid, okay? This is a game. Okay. You get you parachute onto an island. And there's 100 okay. people in a game. 100 just random people from all over the world. And the goal is to be the last person alive on the island. You try to kill everybody else. But there is a storm that is closing in on the island. And if you stay in the storm... You die. So you can die from other players, and you can die from the storm. And the storm is constantly shrinking to a smaller and smaller and smaller space. And you don't know where it's going to shrink to, right? You just know it's getting smaller, and you can see where the safe zone is. So
0: it's pushing people closer and closer together so they have to fight. You know, this sounds like driving on I-4 at at 5 o'clock on a Friday in Florida. (laughs) That's that's probably... Just rename it Thunder... Just rename it Thunder Thunderdome is what we call it because it's pretty much the same right. thing you just described. Yeah, the killing, the the getting closer together. Yeah, but I I've never played the video games. When, game, so when I see right and so, so educational
1: it, for so for some context here, Brian has uh, two eight year olds right in in the house, so that, yep. they're coming up yep. on Fortnite age because like ten and eleven year olds love this game, and so do... the only people that mm-hmm. love this game more than ten and eleven year olds, college kids, every. <laughs> Yeah. Football player on every team plays this game, I think. I, I mean, they're they're all talking about it all the time. It's always on Snapchat stories and Twitter accounts and like Victory Royale, what's up? Like they're always talking about this game. So like super easy way to start up a conversation.
0: What happened to Madden, man? That it, it, I mean, twenty years ago I'm living in an apartment complex. Fred Taylor lived next door to me. Okay? All right, Fred Taylor. Humbleberg. Jacksonville Jaguars, Patriots whole bit. Yeah, well, break. he, well, I mean, I didn't know him that well. He was nice. Uh, I remember when he got his first card. But those guys, they never stopped playing Madden. That was the only thing. And now you're saying they're playing some silly game called Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to playing? And it a football has gotten game, silly you know? too. I don't get it.
1: Like, it. it used to be just a very bare bones game. Like you had the map and you and you, you know you wanted to stay alive. And now they've added like shopping carts that you can like roll off hills on and like go into space and then fall down and die. I don't know why you would want to. But like there's there's a guy who broadcasts his games on YouTube and people they won't play the game. They will just get on YouTube to watch the game. Watch this other guy play. And he has so many followers that watch him play that he makes like 5 million dollars a year as a professional Fortnite player.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Nah, there's nothing, wrong. Yeah, there's I nothing mean, back wrong with the world today. <laughs> back in my, day, back in my day, these
2: these online games was uh, Modern Warfare. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. What was that, like 2010, yeah, 2007-ish? Yeah,
1: 2009,
2: 2010. Yeah. yeah, that's a somewhat realistic game. I mean, I don't know. Fortnite, I don't know. I just don't know if I'd ever be able to get yeah, into it's, that. it's cartoon it
1: graphics. It's not like realistic graphics. It's intentionally cartoonish.
2: By the way, Chase, you, you know, do you know what the you know what the floss dance is. You know what the I'm talking floss about? Floss
1: dance, the floss dance. Oh, oh, the dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That was from Fortnite. Yeah, all these dances that these kids do are from Fortnite. Yeah. Like you're you're gonna see so many you know, Fortnite um, dances guys, in the end zone this year y- y- in college football. Y-
0: you're trying to shame me <laughs> for not knowing anything about this stuff, and um, no, not shame. I want your take you know, on it.
1: I want your take on. On how uh, well, long I don't have a take we've gone on as a society.
0: <laughs> well, I could go on for yeah. another hour on that, but uh, man, we used to have these things when I was a kid called a phone, and and it would be on on the wall, and there was a cord there was something called a cord that was connected to the phone. You guys ever seen one of those in an antique shop or you mean walkie talkies? Um, no, no, walkie-talkie, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. that was the first wireless. I'm kidding. That was the first one, And we all had one of those now when we were little, you know. But no, no, the phone. You I don't even understand what's happening it. right now. The the phone actually had a cord, and you could go only so far. If you were lucky, you might be able to make it to the fridge to get the milk and pour a glass of milk while you're talking or whatever. But most likely, you did not have so enough you just cord had to... to do that. So you had to kind of you had to hover by the phone. Um, because you couldn't go farther than that. And online meant um, basically you had just hung up your laundry online, you know, like a line where you dry your laundry out where you had dryers. What? That yeah. was online. I, I still
2: remember getting kicked off the internet uh, because my mother had to make a phone call from, from our landline.
0: Oh, oh yeah, yeah that's, that was a million years ago. Wait, so my, you had to goodness. stand next to the yeah. wall if you wanted to text your friends? Well, <laughs> no. We didn't, you know, the way you texted your friends was you got a piece of paper out and you wrote a note and you folded it up to something that could be kind of aerodynamic in class. And you would just throw it across across the class, but usually the teacher would see it and catch you and you'd get a detention. Um, that's the closest thing to texting we ever did. Um, you couldn't throw it to their house, so it was usually just at school that you would do this kind of texting but it was passing notes. But, now I guess I don't I don't even know if kids do notes. By anymore. the way,
2: speaking of old technology, I'll uh, I'll steer this conversation back to football somehow. On National <laughs> Signing Day, when are fax machines like why are they still why are these still getting faxed? I mean, it seems a little
0: uh, Yeah, the the college common. football <laughs> keeping it, it the fax is. machine in business. <laughs> I think it is, man. But yeah, hey, they didn't have fax machines when when I was a high school kid, I don't think uh, and I'm not real sure how they did signings before that. I've never really asked that question, but the hmm. the faxing it in thing got real big in the 90s, yeah, and that was how you verified that it was legit. But, hey, these days you can sign for a mortgage without actually even being there. You can auto sign and all that stuff. So that's It's not all, dangerous that's at all. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no repercussions at all to, to not being there for a contract that puts you in debt with $250,000. $250, no, not at all. Uh. So, anyways, yeah. No, I've not heard of this video game. I will tell you this: I have eight-year-old twins. One, uh, my daughter does not really do video games. She likes to watch my son, who loves FIFA, a ah, uh, soccer FIFA. game, and that's uh, that's that's the that's the big one in our house at this point. So you
1: you were telling uh you were telling me before they are they're Minecraft fans,
0: right? They do. Yeah, they really, they yeah, they really <laughs> want to do that. That's uh, we, in fact. We got really mad at them last week. <laughs> we kind of blew up on them for making a mess and getting in trouble. And my wife went, you're not getting Minecraft now. And it, it was like their eyes got big. Uh, like you, we just pulled the rug out from under them, you know. Um, but I've never heard them even bring up Fortnite. But Minecraft's yeah, a big Fortnite one, Yeah, Fortnite has sort of supplanted uh, Minecraft Is like the go-to
1: game of like teenagers and, and uh, like young college mm. kids. So it's it's it rules the world right. It's a free to play game. It's free to get, like on your Xbox or your PlayStation or whatever. Okay, but it's also mm-hmm. it made like four hundred million dollars last month, even though it's free to play because you can mm-hmm. buy like a a premium membership and it gives you extra things to do. Uh, there there's another crazy. Oh, they recently made an app for your phone where you can play, and most people have the app. Hmm. so that if you're sitting there playing a game cuz people play this for like 10 hours at a time right hmm. it's only like a 10 or 20 minute game hmm. but you just play that long in a row they made an app so that if you're in the middle of a game but you have to go to the bathroom you can get your phone and get on the app and continue playing the same game from your phone while you're in the bathroom
0: oh there's no addictive yeah. qualities to this at all no i yeah you know, it's kind of like facebook yeah that's free too except that it you know changes your whole uh emotional state. <laughs> but it's free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, addiction. Yeah, that's uh I don't want to make it sound scary. like I'm like I
1: hate Fortnite. I play Fortnite all the time.
0: <laughs> I'm always playing Fortnite. Yeah. So,
1: one of the three of us at least uh has caught the Fortnite bug. I'm re- I'm I'm sick at solo too. I yeah. I'm not very good at uh at the teams, but I I I play a pretty mean solo. Uh yeah. Ugh. Fortnite man. <laughs> Anything else? I yeah, need, you more, need coffee. more coffee. Uh I do not Still need more cloudy. coffee. I am ready to go. Uh but I, I think that I think that might do it, right? I think uh I think we got to leave it at Fortnite. Yeah. What video game uh, are we going to talk I, about I, next week? I, don't, <laughs> I did play some Pac-Man yesterday. I was at a uh, I was at a uh, like a hipster coffee place in uh in Charlottesville, which is not the sort of establishment I usually frequent, but I was there, and they had uh, they had a Pac-Man machine in the back, and I was throwing quarters in like it was
0: 1989. 89? No, no, more like 82. But okay, yeah, that's uh, Mrs. That's Pac-Man. What I that came yep. later, didn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pink bow on the top. Yep. And asteroids yep. and Galaga. Uh, yep. Those are the games in the game Shout out to the day. National
1: Video Game Museum there in Frisco, like right across from the stadium. Uh, if you haven't uh, huh. been, next time you're in Frisco, uh, it's fun. And they have like a vintage arcade in there where you can go play Galaga and all that uh, all that old school stuff. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, this message brought to you by the <laughs> yeah. Frisco Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> I am uh, on their
1: payroll now. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I, I think we all are. <laughs> they retweet us as much that week yeah. as anybody. I think so. Uh, yeah, that's uh, the that's hero. Good stuff. Yeah, Hero Sports well, FCS good.
1: podcast. You guys can find us on iTunes. Sam, what is your Twitter handle? It is at Hero Sports Herd. Brian, what is your Twitter handle? At Brian Excellent. Really I original. Chase Kitty. You can find me at Chase A Kitty. Uh, I think that is going to do it for this edition of the Hero Sports FCS podcast. Uh, maybe maybe no uh, Fortnite in the next edition, but we, uh, we maybe we'll, we'll probably get together here real soon again in the next few days and maybe record another one. Uh, so look for that here, maybe even before the end of the week. We'll see. Uh, that'll do it for us out of Harrisonburg and Fargo and sunny Florida. Do not sleep on the FCS.